0: The much-anticipated release of the Hinman docs finally happened after about 18 months. Yesterday, dropping hot on the streets like a new Drake album, some calling it an absolute bombshell, and some saying uh, absolute nothing burger. And I guess that depends on which side you're on. If you're looking at it through the lens of XRP, if you're looking at it through the lens of ETH, or if you're just an angry Bitcoin maxi who thinks that anything Hinman said means that everything is a security and all crypto must die. We're going to dive into all of that today with John Deaton and Eleanor Tarrant, arguably the two people who have been the most on top of the Ripple case. We've had them all on Twitter Spaces, but great to have them here. And then on the back end, we're still going to have, of course, Christopher Inks come on. We're going to talk about some charts and trades and how the market is reacting to all this. Of course, after CPI yesterday, FOMC today, guys, there is just endless news to talk about right now. You guys don't want to miss this one. Let's go. Let's go. What is up, everybody? I am Scott Melker, also known as the Wolf of All Streets. Before we get started, please subscribe to the channel and tenderly swipe the like button with your right pinky. I actually don't really care. I'm not convinced that there's really such thing as a YouTube algorithm. Uh, But I guess we would find out if I did this in the thumbnails, which I obviously don't do. But maybe then we would see if uh, it gets you a million people to show up. Speaking of a million people to show up, I was astounded when I woke up this morning Looked back at the Twitter spaces from yesterday, and it had 1.5 million views. Of course, if you uh, may have missed it, we had Warren Davidson, who proposed the SEC Stabilization Act, a.k.a. the hashtag Fire Gary Gensler Act, speaking about why he did that, his position there. Really interesting interview. We only uh, were on spaces for about an hour, but clearly it was extremely engaging. But that's not what we're going to talk about today that's already yesterday's news that we're firing Gary Gensler today's news is the Hinman Docs I'm gonna go ahead and bring on our guests right now so we can dive into it John and Eleanor how are you guys both doing today a lot going on over there huh definitely a lot going on like-
1: yeah you. So-
0: Oh, yeah. So I, had John, I, I said I had John Rice on yesterday from Blockworks. It was 9 in the morning. His team was going through. He said 2,000 pages of documents or something. But he was awaiting some massive bombshell coming at 11, and it seems like we already had basically everything there was to see by that time. And maybe there's nothing massively new here. Uh, Eleanor, I mean, do you think that we saw anything massively revealing yesterday, or do you think that it's kind of par for the course for what we already knew with Hinman?
1: Yeah, I think we definitely kind of knew what was coming down in terms of, you know, basically what John has said for a long time is, is the argument at the and documents is that it will most likely go towards helping Ripple's fair notice defense as opposed to some kind of crazy bombshell where it's like, you know, XRP was talked about and completely shunned. So I think a lot of people were hoping for that bombshell. Uh, I don't think we got it. I think there was a lot of telling information in there um, about other things such as, you know, the kind of relationship that the SEC had with the Ethereum Foundation, with Vitalik Buterin, with, um, you know, a- and then kind of just that relationship as opposed to like having a relationship with anybody else in the space. So I think that was, you know, a key aspect. And I'll let John get into it more. But um, I mean, as far as bombshells go, I really don't think so. Um, and, you know, John, you can get into, you know, if you're a Ripple Maxi, then, you know, you think it's you think it's everything. If you're a Bitcoin maxi, you think it's a nothing burger.
0: Right. Yeah, and interestingly, I think you mentioned it's the Ethereum sort of uh, fans in the middle or maybe those who are looking to the definition of Ethereum as a security or commodity who are really digging into this, which is sort of the collateral damage or advantage here for the whole market that's coming out of this Ripple case. I think it, maybe it is a nothing bur- burger for the Ripple people. But not necessarily for ETH. So, John, I want you to talk about that a bit, and then we're going to watch the video from student uh, Stuart, uh, the the counsel for Ripple, to give us some context here on all this.
2: Yeah, well, Scott, you know, before the emails came out, I I said, listen, there's been so much hype and build up about the emails. You're talking about two years, seven court orders, and I said, when there's something hyped that much, likely going to disappoint. It depends on your perspective, like you said. The reality is this: There's nothing in this speech that's going to affect the judge's analysis of whether Ripple sold XRP as an investment contract. There's nothing in there, and even if, even if Bill Hinman had said XRP is not a security, the judge could disregard that because he's just a he's one official at the SEC. She's going to analyze it. It does go to the fair notice issue because it shows, and, and more importantly, it goes to the individual guys. Remember. Uh, Brad Gardinghouse and Chris Larson are sued individually. And the SEC's theory that they must prove is that they were reckless in not knowing XRP wasn't a security. And that standard means recklessness is met when it's so obvious an ordinary person would know that XRP is a security. So when you see the debate going back and forth about digital assets and whether or not the SEC has jurisdiction or... Or what is a security? How do you apply these 1930s laws to modern day blockchain technology that helps the individual defendants, you know, win that case? And so but you mentioned the video Ripple did, you know, put out uh, a piece that sort of summarized the highlights. I think it would be beneficial to your audience.
0: It's four minutes long, guys. I
2: mean, that's a bit longer
0: than things we show, but I think it speaks to exactly what you just said, which is that it seems like the Ripple guys just want mass confusion. They want to show that the SEC had no idea what they were doing here and can't firmly state that there was any wrongdoing. Because if you watch this as a layperson, it almost feels like this would be against the crypto community, right? That, that the SEC itself is saying, dude, don't say all this stuff. And Hinman's some wild card uh, lone gun who's out there saying a bunch of things that the SEC doesn't believe. But then you dig into it and the SEC left it up and Clayton referred to it So let's just watch the video guys, it's about four minutes, but I think it's really important context.
3: 14th, 2018, then SEC Director of Corporation Finance, William Hinman, gave a high profile speech where he declared that a token is not a security when it becomes, quote, sufficiently decentralized. But internal emails and documents show that senior SEC officials repeatedly warned Hinman that his speech wasn't true to the law and would greatly confuse the markets even more than they already were. Now, after more than two years and seven court orders, we can finally share some of what we found in the Hinman speech documents. The SEC head of trading and markets warned Hinman that he was making up factors that quote, go beyond the typical Howey analysis, as in not in the law, and that the speech could lead to not just confusion, but greater confusion on what is a security. Hinman ignored him. If the network on which the token or coin is to function is sufficiently decentralized and the purchasers no longer have a reasonable expectation that a person or a group is going to carry out essential managerial or entrepreneurial efforts, those assets might not represent an investment contract. The same official told Hinman he should tie his speech, quote, more closely and explicitly to the Howey analysis. Hinman not only ignored him, but deliberately created factors beyond those identified by the Supreme Court in the Howey case. I wanted to just note a few things. This list is not meant to be exhaustive, but these are things that we look at. The SEC's own general counsel warned specifically that it's legally irrelevant if someone retains a stake in a token and is motivated to take action to increase its value, and that Hinman should delete it from the speech. And once again, Hinman ignored them and said without any legal support that it was important to ask as that person or group retained a stake in, or other interests in the digital asset such that it would be motivated to expend efforts to cause an increase in the value of the digital asset. Both Trading and Markets and the General Counsel also disagreed with Hinman's belief that if a network was sufficiently decentralized, information asymmetries would no longer exist, noting that a network creator would likely have more information than a retail holder using Vitalik Buterin as an example. They warned Hinman that by creating this, quote, other category and focusing on information asymmetries, he was exposing a regulatory gap that the SEC may not have the jurisdiction to fill. Again, Hinman ignored them. As the network becomes more truly decentralized, the ability to even to identify a promoter or to make the requisite, and someone that could actually make the requisite disclosures becomes in many cases difficult or um, and
2: perhaps much less meaningful.
3: On June 4th, Hinman wrote that he didn't see a, quote, need to regulate Ether as a security, and set up a call with Ethereum's co-founder, Vitalik Buterin, later that week, to, quote, confirm our understanding. On June 11th, the SEC's own general counsel advised against including any direct statement about Ether in the speech, because it would be difficult for the SEC to, quote, take a different position on Ether in the future. The next day, trading and markets wrote that the statements about Ether were, quote, likely to create more confusion. Hinman ignored all of them and decided to make headlines, picking winners and losers instead. Moreover, putting aside the fundraising that accompanied the creation of Ether, based on my understanding of the present state of Ether, the Ethereum network, its decentralized structure, we believe current offers and sales of Ether are not securities transactions. The emails show that Hinman knew he wasn't following the law, he knew he was making things up and he knew that his speech would result in greater confusion in an already confused market. But Hinman went ahead with the speech anyway, and the SEC, despite knowing all this, touted the speech repeatedly. The SEC chairman himself pointed market participants to the speech.
4: Bill Hinman recently outlined the approach we take to evaluate whether a digital asset is a security, and I encourage you to take a look at Bill's speech which is available on our website.
3: The SEC knew the speech didn't follow the law. The SEC knew the speech would create greater confusion. And the SEC knew Hinman was making things up. So why is the Hinman speech still on the SEC's website? Why was it ever allowed to be given at all? And why has the SEC pushed a policy of regulation by enforcement, falsely insisting the rules are clear? There's so much
0: sun packed there. Like, yeah. as, listen, but as a layperson looking from the outside, it seems like the SEC's major problem here is a clearly they have no cohesive message. But himan is effectively saying that you can morph from being a security into not being a security, right? And I believe I read Absolutely. that the speech originally was actually called "Digital Asset Morphing" or something like that, right? Something to yeah. that effect, and. The very idea that you could have that safe harbor or transition from security to uh, being decentralized just violates everything that Gary Gensler and the SEC are
2: saying now. Is that the word, Liz? Absolutely, absolutely, Scott. We learned a couple of things. One, we learned the SEC itself should not be touching digital assets. I mean, just look at at the reason why the general counsel of the SEC said, I think you should take the ETH out of the speech. Don't say that. Did he say, because you're not following the law, Scott, he said, because it will limit our ability to take a contrary position in the future. I mean, is that how we want our financial market regulated? Never make a clear rule. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) In matter of fact, in one of the uh, Brett Redfern, who was the director of trading markets, in one of his comments, he said, you need, this is going to cause greater confusion uh, and you need to give less detail. In other words, keep it vague. Keep it vague. You're gonna confuse people and we wanna make it vague. And so so yes, you're you're spot on about uh, about that. And you know I want to right in look, crossed out digital asset morphing called digital asset transaction
0: under the securities act of nineteen thirty-three.
2: I found and it. And you're right. When you go to the first draft of the speech, it's not a draft, it's an outline, and it's called what you said, morphing into uh, a non-security. But just know for your audience, Hinman when he replied, he called it the ETH speech. So from the very beginning, Hinman called it the ETH speech. And the reason people need to know that's important is that in the speech, he says Bitcoin and ETH are not securities. He doesn't call it the Bitcoin ETH speech. He doesn't call it what it was normally called. He called it the ETH speech for a reason. So the one thing I said, and I predicted it, and this did come true, I said that when the emails come out, it'll make people scratch their head more why would you give this speech which you know goes to certain specific reasons we can talk about or not talk about
0: eleanor why then give the speech i mean isn't this the uh hashtag ethgate conspiracy theory vitalik buterin and consensus they convinced him they were just said i mean it is kind of strange to go to the founder and say hey are you guys decentralized and what does that mean and then give a speech about it which is what it seems like happens here, and I'm not claiming any of these things. I just think that's the narrative then surrounding that, where that leads. Is that right, Eleanor?
1: Yeah, and I, John, and I both said from the beginning that we wouldn't say that there was corruption here, and I still don't. You know, I, I'm not one to say. I'm not a lawyer, so I, I always stick by my. I do think that there are big conflicts of interest here, and Johnny he went and said this on Twitter yesterday, basically the same thing. Like, you know, a, a blind monkey could see that. You know, there's, there's, there's issues here, and the fact that the SEC Ethics Office wasn't copied or wasn't privy to this speech and you know him had been working for simpson thatcher at the time he went back to simpson thatcher he's there now as an advisor there are these conflicts of interest and you think well as you read these emails and the the redactions are gone and and you see the the correspondence and especially the the, the buterin line you know the buterin connection that you're just like why how why and you know it's crazy and i i my initial takeaway was was kind of like before i read everything this was like eight o'clock yesterday so like not everything had come out yet and i said you know i tweeted something like you know i think my biggest takeaway right now is the fact that you know the sec officials here clearly thought that they were kind of collaborating on this thing that they were giving their best advice that this was going to be market guidance and you know um, and I thought, you know, SEC, because they've argued, they flip-flopped, right? They said, you know, it was supposed to be market guidance. Oh, no, it wasn't. It was just a personal opinion. So I said, this goes a long way to showing that the, you know, SEC thought it was going to be market guidance. Kind of shoots down their argument. But then, you know, I'm looking at the stuff from from Hinman and, and everything that was suggested that he didn't put in there. And then I'm thinking to myself, was that just a personal opinion? Did he kind of go rogue? Can they, can the SEC argue it was a personal opinion because he ignored so much advice about ETH about you know existing market existing seems
0: like it's a personal opinion based on how many things he ignored
1: so I was just like I was like my head hurts like I I can look at it one way and I look at it another and it's just you know it's it's an interesting contrast
0: right but can you give I, I understand that at that moment if you watch that speech you would think this is this guy's personal opinion he's gone completely rogue look at the evidence but then Jay Clayton, points to the speech specifically and they leave it on their website for right. years.
1: Right. So and like, that was my next... Dec-
0: I, I think it's like, talk about morphing. <laughs> we, morphed yeah. them, uh, we morphed from uh, personal opinion right into market guidance.
2: Well, right. I think I think the important thing to know is that the market was desperate for some form of clarity. And, you know, they finally keep... They wouldn't talk about Bitcoin at first. And finally, there's this consensus that Bitcoin now out security. What about ETH? What about XRP? What about these other you know, major cap tokens, and and you had Hester Peirce out there who I think has good, you know, intentions, and so what happened is once he committed to the speech and it's out there and the market was dying for it, you had Hester Pierce, the commissioner, Robert Jackson, the commissioner, uh, the director of trading markets, they all said, okay, we've accepted it, it is guidance, look at that, and, you know, what people need to understand Uh, She brought up about the ethics department. If you look at the email chain, all these different departments got this speech, except for the ethics division of the SEC. And your guest on Spaces yesterday, Congressman Warren Davidson, to his credit, uh, he's paid attention. And he asked the SEC enforcement director, uh, while under oath, he said, did Hinman have that speech screened by the ethics office at the SEC? And uh, the SEC enforcement director goes, oh, I can't comment because of litigation. The ethics issue is never litigated. Just whether or not the speech is privileged or not. He refused to answer it because we, we know the truth. You know, Scott, it would it, it works like this. Whoa, you're going to give E uh, regulatory clarity? That's big news. So we just got to make sure since we never talk about specific tokens before and after Scott. No one will talk about any specific token. This one kind you're going to mention ETH. We just got to make sure, Bill, you don't own Bitcoin or ETH, right? No. Your firm uh, since you're an ongoing profit-sharing partner, you're not retired. You're getting profits as they make it. Do they have any connection? Oh, they're doing the Canon IPO, which is ETH hardware and Bitcoin hardware. Oh, your, your firm's a member of the Enterprise Ethereum Alliance. Bill, you can't give that speech. It would take a paralegal in their first year to uncover that conflict. It would take less than an hour.
0: But then that's the head-scratchers. Why would the SEC leave it on their website and continue to refer to it as reference for how digital assets should be classified? Is that just stupidity? I I literally don't understand it. Because it seems clear that at that day there was a clear conflict of interest. He gave a rogue speech and
2: they should have said, dude, Hinman's out, (laughs) right? No, no, you're you're right. The only answer I can give you is yes, is the genie's out of the bottle. We can't put the genie back in. The market's thirst dying for some type of clarity. And so, and then of course, the sufficient decentralization, like he added a factor to the Howie test. (laughs) I can assure you, there's no Howie prong that says, How decentralized are you? And imagine if, Scott, if you were in in power, if you called David Schwartz, the CTO of Ripple, and said, Hey, I'm going to give this speech that the XRP ledger is sufficiently decentralized. Do you agree? That's what I'm saying.
0: It's a joke. I'd be like, no, (laughs) Bill. Uh, I'd actually rather you go the other way with that and cause me a decade of legal troubles, please. But uh, (laughs) I'm still, it's just interesting to me that this is still viewed certainly by Garlinghouse and those guys, and you made the case. It makes sense for them personally, but I I don't even see how you can make the leap from what Hinman did here to somehow saying that XRP is not a security. I I don't (laughs) see how you make that jump. And that's a lot of people, maybe incorrectly, are viewing this as.
2: No, they are. But here's the thing people uh, were like, well, why did Brad Garlinghouse say that you will be shocked? And you got to look at it from his prism. For example, it's not just the speech. What was in that video you played that is a central point? Ripple was targeted. And that's a fact. I've said before that they're going to give ETH a pass, and Ripple and XRP would be the sacrificial regulatory land right and that because the general counsel said whether or not a group of people own a token and are motivated to increase its value is irrelevant i don't think you should put that in the speech yet he kept it in the speech whose side does that apply to it applies to ripple they own 50 percent of xrp so that's where i think when Brad Garland goes shot, he's like, wow, like they yeah, don't changed- that we own 50% of the supply.
0: It doesn't matter. We were sending that potentially to exchanges and selling at strategic times, which, by the way, the ETH Foundation has notoriously done at the top of every single ETH cycle. So I don't think that that's yes.
2: unusual. I mean, it's divis- it's, it's the divide- yeah, that's the, the number one part of the, the SEC's case. When you look at what was unredacted from the SEC side, their case against Ripple. Like the the heart of their case, Scott, is, well, you you gave a million, offered a million dollars to, I believe it's Kraken, and five million to Coinbase to list XRP, um, and things of that nature. That that other people have done, you had market makers doing programmatic sales. I mean, that's really the essence of the SEC's case, in my opinion. And so, um, but I just wanted people to understand from my belief of why Brad or someone would say you're shocked. Well, if you're the one that was sued and they're they're seeking your bank accounts and coming after you and targeting you, and then you learn this, it would be shocking from your personal perspective.
0: Let's say that the best case scenario happens here for XRP or for Ripple and they, they win. And I think we know that doesn't really mean they win, right? They, they win this, but the SEC can approach it in different ways. I think we've been pretty clear about that. But you just talked about the fact that they paid for the listing on Coinbase and Kraken and all these things. Well... When this case came out and it was deemed a security by the SEC, those very same exchanges quickly delisted and did arguably harm to Ripple and to XRP. And we're seeing that nobody else is getting delisted now. I don't know if it's just uh, fatigue and they've listed 60 of them and Coinbase obviously isn't just going to go delist 60 things in the middle of this fight. But do you think that Ripple, if they win, has a counter suit here? To say, listen, you look how much harm you've done to our company and to our pro- our project and our and our coin through this entire process,
1: and our investors, oh, you John, think? you know you know better than anyone because you represent you know seventy five thousand XRP investors who have. Can you hear me?
0: Yeah, we can. You broke up for a second, but it might have been my internet or yours. Yep. Yeah, yeah, you're good. Right. You're good.
1: No, I was just saying. I mean, you know, not just the company; they've been forced to go overseas. They can't operate in the U.S. And, you know, that hurts not just their business. I mean, they're they're a profitable company. They have a lot of cash on hand. We know for from Brad Garlinghouse that they spent about 200 to $250 million fighting this lawsuit. So, you know, they're not strapped for cash. But at the same time, it's their reputation. It's their investors. Um, and Johnny represents 75,000 of them. So there's that harm as well.
0: Hey John, what happens there for those 75,000 people in the best and worst case scenario as we kind of... Yeah. Yes,
2: no. going, you know, going after the SEC, you got issues of uh, sovereign immunity, qualifying, I mean, you know, going after the government for gross negligence is almost impossible. Bernie Madoff by the best example. Everyone knows the story of how the SEC was told like half a dozen times. This guy runs a Ponzi. Investors sued the SEC by saying, look, you had all this evidence and you never prosecuted them. And we lost all this money. The judge dismissed it because it's discretionary and it's the executive branch versus the judicial branch, separation of powers. The real issue here, Scott, and and it's something that certain people should be concerned with, is whether or not a class of investors that I represent have a case of regulatory capture against certain people and certain entities. That's in the civil court, and maybe some days you might hear something about that. It's not going to be today, is it?
3: No.
1: <laughs> Come on, that's, the that's the bombshell that's the bombshell
0: is that the bombshell that we're really waiting for here right so but yeah so then i i guess uh ftx creditors who are angry that the sec was meeting with uh sbf and did nothing about it aren't gonna have uh much of a case or any recourse here then right
2: i mean usually not now the, the question what we need is is if you can prove like criminality and 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 things of that nature. There's always a, a, you know, you've got one standard here and then there's this huge abuse of discretion and all this that you can overcome. But you have to have a wealth of uh, facts and information. You can't just sue because you'll get dismissed. So if there's a criminal investigation or a, an IG investigation, there should be an investigation into the speech and how it was formed and all the emails. And there there should be an investigation of that FTX meeting. Meeting two times with Gensler, what was said? Was there really a short form registration form that the rumor has? Tom Emmer brought this up uh, that they had negotiated a short form to give FTX like an advantage uh, that would have hurt their competitors. I mean, this stuff needs to be really looked at. You know? Yeah,
0: I love that uh, when Denzer was asked under oath about meeting with SBF, he said, "My calendar shows." official okay. meetings
1: but we know you know stuff. we went to dinner <laughs> yeah.
0: 17 times to he up on that right
1: yeah I mean, separate it. calendars though so Yeah,
0: my official calendar uh recall yeah. right yeah I, I, it's been pretty widely reported that that sbf was effectively working on a deal that would make them as the people helping to create this legislation safe from any harm that could uh come of it I,
2: but you I know, know it, I while he was reading and while he was meeting the Bernie Madoff of crypto, the 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 number one publicly traded, the only publicly traded exchange, number one in America, a U.S. business, the CEO couldn't get a meeting. I don't know if you remember when Brian Armstrong tweeted out that he was told that Gensler would not meet with any crypto attorneys or uh, crypto companies. And then shortly thereafter, he's meeting with SBF.
1: And he's so, meeting with not just SBF, but with IEX, too, because FTX and IEX wanted to make the first regulatory, you know, approved, SEC approved crypto exchange. We we were, Charlie and I reported that, you know, now that uh, FTX has gone away, IEX is actually talking to Coinbase about it. Now Coinbase is getting sued.
0: Fun. Stay away from IEX. I mean, Eleanor, what do you think the prospects are here that we see huge victories against the SEC? And what kind of timeline?
1: I think the timeline will be long. And John, you could speak more to this just from the legal standpoint, but I do think that people are going to drag this out. And by people, I think, you know, the SEC, I don't think the government necessarily wants to lose to the people and lose to this cause that they're not on board with. You know, obviously, Gary Gensler has made it very clear that he's going after crypto. He wants to make his name on cracking down on crypto, being the chairman that got it under regulation, got it to come into compliance. So when these companies push back, you know they. they could have all the money in the world. But at the end of the day, you're fighting the government as well. So, you know, I think um, it's going to be a long process. I think Ripple will be the first step in that. And then you'll see Coinbase, you'll see Grayscale, Binance now, like you've got <clears throat> so many companies and so many big names coming out, you know, and, and people are supporting them. It's just, it's hard to to fight the government. Right,
4: John?
0: Yeah. I feel like the next wave is just going to be a bunch of like mid-tier and low-tier VCs and smaller exchanges just so that Gensler can get a whole bunch of easy settlement wins under his belt. Unfortunately, I'm not trying to go tin hat, but I don't think this is done. I think they're going to drag out these large ones and then angle for a ton of settlements that give them precedent in between. I just find it really interesting that the Ripple case is not Gensler's, right? It's Clayton's. And the Coinbase and Binance cases will be solved long after Gensler's gone, whether he leaves in a positive or negative manner. So it's literally just seems like a massive PR campaign to me.
2: And I have to tell you, uh, talking about calendars, uh, Clayton dropped this suit against Ripple on his last day as he's walking out the door. But guess who he met the day before, Scott, to talk about? he met with Gary Gensler, who, he, who was Gensler. who was an incoming chair.
0: We can say it. it's Clayton, but it's Gensler, right? You don't no, you don't drop something in a bomb on your uh, predecessor on the next guy coming in without briefing him and making sure he's cool with it. Uh,
2: exactly, you said it perfectly in, in that scenario. And you know, here's the thing: is that this, even if you, the Ripple case itself, this judge's ruling legally is just one federal district judge. It's not an appellate court. It has limited, you know. Uh, precedential value and all of that. Uh, even a, a fellow Southern District New York judge, you know, on the Coinbase case could disagree with this judge because they're of equal level. However, the industry desperately needs some good news coming out of the Ripple case, even if you hate Ripple, even if you think they dumped on retail, I've you know, all of those times. things, right? 100%. You need. To not root for Ripple, but root against the SDC's overreach, and hopefully, you know, we get that because at least, if, if the judge were to bless the SDC's theory, which I don't think she will because it's so broad, but if she did, it would get. Can you imagine Gary Gensler how he's going to use that politically? And it's sort of almost... I'll make sure. a cute little cartoon video and it'll exactly. have Kim Kardashian's butt dancing by or something. He,
1: yeah. Already yeah. Uses, he already uses Library. And that was a small... John, he worked on that case. It was a small, small case. But he, they bring it up every chance now. Like, we won against Library. So could you imagine what he's going to say? So if, to
2: if, the Ripple, yeah. if, if if they lose the Ripple case, then, you know, Gensler will say, oh, it's facts and circumstances. Each case is different. And each case has different facts. And it's not that big of a deal. But if the SEC were to win it would be a huge uh pr campaign for gensler and that's that's
0: all he awesome. wants that's all he all wants he i'm wants. i'm convinced he literally doesn't care if he wins loses these after he's gone i'm convinced he's just this is like one long job interview yeah. for him any views? By the way, he's not getting any better jobs. He's hated everywhere, from what I hear. But uh, you know, he he probably is not willing to. Uh, you
2: know, you know that he was the, the the kid that didn't get picked and took his basketball, and went home. And that first uh, game of pickup, you know that that that's who he is.
0: Yeah, yeah, he, he to, to, the Napoleon complex all day for for. For sure. So uh, even the best case scenario then for for Ripple and for XRP holders doesn't necessarily mean the best case for crypto. Do you think that we will see one of these cases potentially rise to the Supreme Court for final clarity? I,
2: I think the best case is Ripple A because it has because it has uh, it's first in line. It's got a two year head start on the Coinbase case. If you look at the Ripple. Summary judgment brief. It's really when it came out, I said it's a brilliant brief and I hate it. Uh, it's written for the second circuit because it's all about case law and all about you know the inherent nature of a sec- an investment contract and a security and blah blah blah. So, if Ripple loses, it's definitely going to the second circuit. You know, if the SEC loses, I don't think they appeal because why would they? They're getting blasted. Um, almost in every court hearing you hear the judge is taking issue with the way the SEC is conducting themselves.
0: Even Mm -hmm. to the the grayscale judge, the Voyager bankruptcy judge, and and they were so dismissive. Not like, hey, maybe clarify. I mean, and meanwhile, yesterday, for anyone who was watching, I'm going to let you guys go in like five minutes, but I've got your captive attention, but the Coinbase, right? The Coinbase was supposed to get an immediate answer on their, and it's like, and the SEC said, uh,
1: how about four more months? And, and, and finance. Binance as well. Binance was supposed to get a, uh, what is it, a a temporary restraining order. And apparently from what the reports I saw, you know, the judge was kind of taking the SEC to task. And she said, you know, I don't see grounds for giving you this temporary restraining order. So go away, figure it out yourselves and come back.
2: Yeah. Binance did the right thing. Listen, Binance came in and said, listen, and this isn't like me, you know, promoting Binance. Uh, I'm just telling you the facts. They came in and said, here are all the customer accounts in the United States of U.S. investors. Here's the private keys, U.S. government, SEC. They're protected 100%. You're in control. We can't move it. Touch the money. But, you know, don't freeze us. The SEC's initial response, no. Because they want destruction. They wanted to freeze it. They were like, we won't make payroll. Like, if you freeze our accounts, we can't play our employees. And the judge was uh, taken back by the SEC being so unreasonable. And so, you know. And let's not forget, the judge in, in Ripple literally said the SEC does not have a faithful allegiance to the law. I mean, that's astounding. They're a bad
0: faith regulator, and literally anyone with a brain knows it, but that doesn't mean that they won't win. Eleanor, I have to ask you, you always seem to get the scoops. You're first on top of all of this. Okay, so Hinman's passed. What's the I, I know I can't tell you what the next bombshell is, though. But what is the next big news you're looking for? What would I, I mean, is it literally just this case comes to a conclusion at this point? Because Hinman's been the top for like two years, it feels like. Yes, right. Yes. And so is it now we just kind of sit and wait and see how this resolves? And when when can we potentially see that happen?
1: Yeah, I think the next big thing to look out for will be the outcome of summary judgment. You know, I listened to an interview with Brad Gerlinghouse. At the end of May, he said it's looking more like weeks, not months. So you would think as a CEO, you might be privy to some of those private talks where they're thinking about timelines and such. So yeah, I think that's the big next thing to watch. Obviously, that'll have big precedent. That'll have a big impact on the industry. But also just keep an eye out for more stuff from Gensler because I hear he's not done. Um, you know, we saw Coinbase, we saw Binance, he went after, you know, went bigger, went home, he went after the biggest players. But to your point, Scott, I think he's going to start going for the smaller people because he thinks he can probably get a win over them with that sort of easier, I mean, not taking on corporations or big companies.
0: Yeah. They love to tout the like 96% success rate in court. And then you dig into it and it's literally just a bunch of
2: people who can't afford to defend themselves. How, how, many, yep. how many, how many, <laughs> how many entities can afford $200 million in legal fees
1: and startups too, like, and you can't,
2: and you look at library, uh, the library CEO said Jeremy Kaufman said that they said we will bankrupt you. And then they proceeded to cost them a couple million before the lawsuit, and then filed the lawsuit on the Eve mustusta limitations, cost them a couple more million and bankrupted them. and And I always say, Scott, when I come in through my on the settlement. <laughs> I always say. I, I always say if you really look at the LBC token, like, it really was using the platform. And, the utility token. Yeah, and I represented uh, Naomi Brockwell when we went in there, and the SEC agreed, since she's never sold or purchased an LBC token, that she didn't own an investment contract and thousands and thousands of others were like her. And uh, the judge said, well, will you give them clarity on that? And I'll be able to p- publish this transcript soon. And the SEC said, we don't do that. And so that's why I went in trying to make sure that his order didn't apply to secondary market sales. So,
1: Scott, can I tell you something else I'm watching? Please, please. So um, if you guys were watching, I I caught the tail end of it yesterday, but the House Financial Services Committee hearing, they interviewed, interviewed, they they heard testimony from this guy named Aaron Kaplan, who is the CEO of Prometheum. Prometheum, I feel like it wasn't made as big of news as it should be unless I just completely missed it at the end of May, but um, they've recently got a license to be a, uh, a custodial, you know, a, a custody holder for cryptocurrencies in the United States. They're SEC approved. They're FINRA approved. <laughs> it, just so happens, it just so happens that the CEO, I had coffee with him once. He believes that we didn't talk about every single altcoin or every single crypto. But he said to me because he knew I was covering the Ripple case, like, well, XRP is clearly a security. So you know he's got these kind of these 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 um, tendencies to to talk at the same points as Gensler as the SEC. The Dems brought him as their witness. So that the reason why why did he why did Prometheum get that special license to be a, a custody holder in or a custody you know a wallet provider in? Yeah, but we the have
0: these States. now registered p- people and they get the you know blessing from the SEC, but then you can't trade any of the actual crypto
2: on their yeah. yeah, Scott. I don't know. I don't know if you saw the congressman take that CEO to task. Did you see that clip? If not, I'll send it to you. Uh, where he's like, they can't even trade Bitcoin. They can't even trade Ethereum. And so, and it's the same guy that sent a letter, you know, a year and a half ago, saying how desperately there needed to be new regulations. All of a sudden, he flipped. You know, I'd like to see what I would like to see his calendar and who he met <laughs> before. so on the we we had <laughs> we we had one on, one in the office, seventeen
0: at. Uh... At the the restaurant but yeah whatever well guys i think i've taken up enough of your time uh not only today but i feel like i've been harassing both of you constantly with spaces
2: and uh well, you're doing you're a great right. job you are a great yeah. job out there man i, I appreciate it. i'm a big fan of you i think you're one of the good, good guys show. uh in this uh and you and i have a lot of parallels you know everybody calls me an xrp attorney like you 75 percent of me is bitcoin you like got mm-hmm. Bitcoin max and Tate me. <laughs> oh boy. They get super that.
0: Uh, yeah. They get, they're, they're really after me lately. I love it to be honest, because it gives me an excuse to uh, trigger them. But Hey, We'll keep doing what you're all doing. We of our hobbies. Uh, yeah. Well, thank you both so much. And as this uh, progresses, obviously we'd love to have you back here and both on spaces to just keep us updated. Makes my life a lot easier if I don't have to read and I can just listen to you guys. Yeah. Thanks Scott. We got you, John. Thank you. And everybody, please follow both of them. I'm hoping if it's not in the description already on YouTube, we'll make sure we put both your guys' Twitters there. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Right, guys? How do you like my new show? Yeah, no, uh, usually on on Wednesdays, obviously, it's just me and Chris. And uh, don't think that Chris is gone. He's not. We just uh, pushed it to the back so that we could get some more people in here before we start talking about the charts that we got. I do have Chris here. What's up, man?
4: How are you? You were sick oh, yesterday, man. right? Yeah, do what? You're were sick, weren't you? Are you still yeah, sick? Yeah, man. I'm I'm still kind of uh, a little bit down, but uh I'm back though. So
0: <laughs> down not out. Down yeah. not out. So so uh listen guys, the plan here is that we're going to instead of just uh wildly looking at everything on the sun, I want when Chris comes in and and potentially other guests charting on different days, we'll look at like the best ideas right now. Like what are you looking at? Here's the three or four things whatever that you're most focused on at this exact moment to gotta really zoom in for you guys and help you kind of figure out how to start looking at the market and where you should be focusing at any given moment. So let's go ahead and do that right now. I'm going to bring up your screen. Tell us what you're looking at.
4: Uh, well, the first one I got here is NVIDIA. Um, You know, everybody was talking about, you know, I mean, it it totally, my, you know, my target originally was here and then we had that big gap up and, it, you know, it, it surprised everybody flew up there. And then, of course, you've got everybody was already calling tops all along the way as like, can continued make higher high. high? I say, oh, it definitely has to be topped here, and um, I, I've said no. I, you know, as, as long as we're holding right here at support, I think we've got 450 potentially 500 on on like a final push. I do think that. Uh,
0: I think it's final push too, though. <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> now, stocks are now. kind of
4: getting to that uh, toward the end of it, but a lot of these stocks I'm looking at are like five up, so. I'm, after they're done, I'm looking for a three back and then continuation higher. But this one right here, um, I'm, I'm looking for us to rally up to maybe about 446 or so. That's right around that, um, that daily R1 pivot. Uh, and if we get that, I expect that we're going to have a pullback. And that pullback I want to see continue to hold support right around this this kind of lows area here. If we can do that and it starts rallying up again, then I will look up there at 490, which gets us pretty close to 500. It's a psychological number. So if we're rallying to four ninety, we could quite potentially hit five hundred, even pop out a bit higher. But, you know, as always, we've got invalidation or, or levels that we're gonna look at in case it doesn't follow through. And um, you know, basically there's a, this, you know, there's this big gap here. And uh if we're falling into that, especially if we're getting below this uh this daily pivot, this is right around Right around three fifty six or so.
0: Fifty six, yeah.
4: Yeah, if we're getting through that, I think I think that says we're done. And you know, we minimally we fill in the pivot or the, I'm sorry, the uh
0: down to two ninety. Yeah.
4: Yeah, down to at least three hundred. Like but uh yeah, I mean I, I think we've still got some further upside on on NVIDIA right now.
0: Here here's my prediction looking at that chart. Uh you pop up to four forty six, massive overbought bear div, and then you get that retracement.
4: Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. But I am going to watch for one, man, if, if we if we only get pulled back into this kind of this 373, 370 we already have the
0: div. Then the then the bull bearer's divergence will be there already. If I mean if it turned right now it looks like, you know, uh not obviously counting wicks, so you could have that. So
4: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's the first one I'm kind of really looking at here. Uh people are going to hate me for this one, but I'm going to talk about it anyway because um it honestly it looks pretty all right. Uh, so this is BNB.
0: <laughs> I yeah I, I, I think uh I, I agree I was I was kind of looking at it I was like ah eh, nice dip
4: we, we got we got a, this right here is the weekly should we get a better look at this but I mean man this looks pretty clear like you know five up and then an a a b and then one two three four five so we got like a flat correction here we dipped just below this uh 220 swing low here I know there was some talk uh people were worried about that uh, that b hacker. Uh, he's got like uh, uh, millions of uh, dollars on on loan or something, uh, and people are worried about if because he's coming up close to the liquidation of his loan, um, and people are worried about all oh, if that happens, a lot of sell pressure on BNB. But um, you know, uh, the the chain itself, whatever. You know, they came out. They said you know they they had done some kind of government thing or whatever, uh, some vote last year, and said that if something like this happened, you know they'd be covering it with the you know with the the chain itself. So. I don't think that I think that's what gave it the bump there. And, and it's not really uh, um, I don't think it's really an issue. Uh, I've got four twenty six twenty as this uh, local one, two, three here. And then this larger one, two, three is up here around a thousand dollars, thousand seven. Now, in order to get that, you know, we need a breakout above wave B here at three fifty uh, and then a breakout above this wave B at six sixty nine and thirty sets. Those would be the areas where it's like, okay, yeah, it's it's most likely doing that. Um, but if we zoom in here, you can see here on the weekly, we're, we're already oversold, starting to curl a bit. Um, if we jump over here to, let's get over here, you can see that the yeah. daily here, side size just breaking out. You can see we've got this pullback into all this volume here, down there at the S4 pivot. By the way, we ran the pivots, we got rejected around the pivot here, ran all the way through the S4, Most likely, that's going to be complete. Now, if it continues going down lower, you know, I'd look here at this uh, 206 area. But I I think it's done or just about, um, you know, finishing that up.
0: Uh, Yeah, Following up on the weekly, let me show you something real. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, this is the first ever test. 200 MA has only existed, obviously since august 21 guys so you know a 200 ma on a weekly means this thing has to have been trading on that exchange for 200 weeks right so yeah. long to, before you can even get one but this is the first ever test of the 200 ma in the history of this for people who do watch those you know we've been talking about obviously the 200 ma on bitcoin which it just lost by the way on the weekly um but uh this is the first test ever and right now on the weekly putting in a bit of a hammer so yeah i, I don't think miserable i'm gonna go back to you here
4: yeah, I mean, if, and if we're looking at this, we've potentially got uh, one, two, three, four, five, or maybe one, two, one, two, three, four, five, because this is a three, a four, and a five. The idea is we should get rejected probably right around this 255, 260 area, if we can push up no. a bit further. Uh, we'd, we'd just be looking to pull back maybe around 235 or something like that, uh, and then we just look for it to start rallying up once more on that one, so... A lot of people are probably going to get a lot of hate comments for that, but uh, are you crazy? It's BNB, Binance, and all this, but you know, I think uh, traders would do well to stay away from news and, and news events and just kind of trade the charts. Well,
0: I think uh, just rationally, listen, if you believe any of the FUD or you've dug in and you think that uh, Binance is selling all their Bitcoin to defend BNB and kind of the FTT narrative, okay, I get it. Yeah. That uh, you can't assume those things are true. I could see why you would just stay away from BNB entirely right now, right? Because you can go find anything else to trade. But if you also realize that anything against Binance is going to take four or five years to resolve, yeah. and you've just gotten a massive dip and you think this coin is going to continue to exist, well, you just got to dip into oversold on news that gives you a potential opportunity if the chart looks right.
4: Or even if you're holding a well, lot, you know, a lot of people are holding a lot of BNB out there. And so,
0: you I know, still hold BNB. Just to be transparent, I still I still hold some.
4: Yeah, I yeah. So I mean, I you know, you it. don't want to panic sell at a low there when it could potentially rise higher. You could
0: I don't know high. where I would sell it uh, because I don't have access to any uh, exchanges. With me, right. But yeah. Okay.
4: Right. Right. Um, let me see here. And I've I like got that the,
0: idea. Uh, it's very polarizing. We like to be uh, contentious and controversial here.
4: Make some waves, right? <laughs> um, I've also got this uh, this chart here. This is. Um, USD against the Canadian dollar.
0: Oh, I like it. Let's get some forex going. Uh,
4: yeah, I mean, the one thing I noticed here, we've got this range. Uh, we've got this huge spike of volume right up here at the top uh, as we're going through the range. Um, and we're just, like, really pressuring the lows of the pivot here. Uh, I, I believe if we get this breakdown, a uh, clean breakdown here, uh, I you know, I, I don't say it can't bounce before, but once we get this clean breakdown, this is about... Uh, 1.32259 If we can get a clean breakdown through that i mean there's a high volume node there and everything i mean that just I, I think you minimally look down here at the s1 pivot on the weekly um and that that's a huge bit of move there that'll get you down around 1.26417 uh, right around there um so this is another one i like um can i again, ask the question the usd against the canadian dollar
0: Yeah. So guys, obviously, that means it's effectively shorting the dollar, right? Saying that the Canadian dollar will rise in value against the dollar. And for those who don't trade Forex, the pairs can be back and forth depending on which pair you trade. So it can be a bit confusing. Sometimes when you're shorting, you're long the dollar. And sometimes when you're shorting, you're short the dollar, depending on the pair and how it's structured and traded. But I want to just know how much then when you're looking at a dollar short in theory against a different currency, How much are you looking at in a vacuum, and how much are you considering DXY in general, like for dollar strength, uh, when you look at those trades?
4: This is a commodity pair, and so um, Canada gets like I I think it's still like around twenty five percent of its uh, revenue from oil sales. So, what you're really looking for here is you're looking for a weak dollar and strong oil, and uh, that'll you know that that'll get you going there because that Norway is similar,
0: right? Yeah. I remember yep. trading the I remember trading USD knock or what Norway and it's kind of very similar. Australian kind of had yeah, some
4: yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So as long as the you know the the dollar, I mean the oil's been pulling back pretty big for quite a while here. Uh the dollar itself, um, you know, it's dropping today on you know, we're getting ready to s- you listen to uh, Powell later on and the you know the rate uh interest rate decision there. And so um I just you know, I don't have any change on the dollar. I think the dollar continues going lower overall. And uh, I think oil uh, may may have found a bottom here. So I mean, you've got two things kind of at work here. But if we lose that low there, I think uh, I think we're probably headed down there, probably around that S one pivot on the weekly there.
0: I like it. Maybe we should do the uh, you know one stock, one crypto, one forex. <laughs> <laughs> But it's funny you were you were always a forex trader before crypto. Like yeah, I, yeah. It just, it's, do you still talk about it a ton in the group? You still oh yeah yeah oh, trade yeah
4: trade. no. And, and I've converted so when we first got the you know the the trading group going, you know everybody was almost hundred percent you know crypto, and I said, listen guys, you know you can use these same things across other markets. Hey, check out forex. You know, it was the original D Gen market right? Uh, before crypto
0: 100x leverage but you need the 100x leverage because the moves are so small relative to crypto right
4: right right but yeah so you know our, our group just flourished man everybody's trading everything now which is fantastic everything from metals to to energy to uh futures to stocks to FX I mean it's just it's been great um and it, it just and it allows them to move to a different market when it's boring in you know in crypto uh which is you know which is a huge thing so
0: was muted there for a second i'm laughing because i was reading the comments and this guy keeps asking when deaton's coming on uh you might want to rewind to the beginning of the video buddy we did that for about 40 minutes uh (laughs) awesome crystal dude i know you're sick and i think those are great ideas and i got twitter spaces in a few minutes so uh man thank you that's awesome everybody follow tx west capital um we're playing with the format as you guys can see here today, we just had to talk Hinman, obviously, but uh, Chris is gonna remain a regular, I can promise you that, man. Thank <laughs> you so much. All right, man. I'll see you soon. So, guys, yeah, I see in the comments over here before I run Cloud Casino saying today we have a big court day for Voyager. Judge is supposed to rule for or against the plan administrator today. What a shit show, man. I uh, I, I, I actually reached out to um. the the ucc jason rasnick from the voyager ucc and i just like to uh ping him with like hey dude we ever getting paid uh they serious with this 36 percent thing but i said are we getting paid like as a joke this morning and he he responded the creditors keep objecting we would have last week it's unreal the one objecting only has one thousand dollars there so the reason apparently, according to the guy from the UCC that we haven't gotten our money back is because a dude who's got a thousand dollars on Voyager is objecting. I mean, God, these systems are so fundamentally broken and disgusting. Uh, today guys, as I said, we do have Twitter spaces. Today's going to be epic because it's FOMC. So we're just going to run from like 10:15 a.m. Eastern standard time, apparently to like three or 4 p.m. Uh, and at, 11, we're gonna have our normal crypto town hall. Like I said, 1.5 million people already just from yesterday's. We're gonna have our normal town hall, but then moving into the FOMC, we have Norio Rabini joining at 11:30. Famed economist, famed Bitcoin hater, <laughs> just hates us. Um, so it's gonna be a really interesting conversation because if you guys have listened to Spaces, I don't know if I'm allowed to talk to him, but if I am, it probably won't be that great for us both. Uh, so it could get contentious. I don't know uh, if they're going to let us talk crypto with him or not. But it should be very, very, very interesting. And before I go, obviously, guys. OK, X. Oh, OK, X. Please sign up. As you can see down below, that says deposit and trade to unlock a mystery box rewards of up to sixty thousand dollars lot of money of course we all know that like uh when you sign up for an exchange and you think you get sixty thousand dollars it's like you need to deposit sixty million dollars first or something to get that so don't think that you're going to go deposit a hundred bucks and get sixty thousand but there are endlessly uh opportunities there for you guys to get money and OKX doing exceptionally well fully backed uh really feeling very comfortable there honestly um jewel says i don't like space much can be too tense at times yeah it's easy to say shit when you're not looking someone in the face which is uh what you get with the keyboard warriors on on twitter spaces but i think it's really been great i'm enjoying it and i need to go take like 10 minutes off guys because i'm gonna be there till i don't know uh saturday or something (laughs) all right guys i love you thank you so much for tuning in um in general would love your guys uh feedback on what we're doing here i think um You can see that we're working very, very hard to uh, keep up with what's happening on Spaces on YouTube uh, and making the content better, uh, working really, really hard. So I hope you guys can see that and appreciate that. Until tomorrow, see you guys later and see you on Spaces, of course. Peace.
2: Stoke.